So Silas, you were talking about doing like making an intro uh, for for Tengridome that is going to sound super sick. And so and like in post when I finish speaking when I finish talking about all this bullshit that's going to be like and there's going to like the music is going to start and uh, I I want I want something like that that's about as cool as the heavy hands intro like there's going to be like and I, I want to outdo them, is what I'm talking about. Is that it's going to start? It's going. I was actually I was working on something. It's it's going to start like you know you have to make it start like a like a Neil Young song, like like the heavy hands thing, like down by the river, and then it goes into it goes into uh, how's how's the fucking song go? The drum fill comes and it's like kill all the white men, man. Kill all the white men. Yes, good intro. Good intro. Good intro. Just have to replace "Down by the Well" with "Kill All the White Men," and that will be would be more in character for me. Okay. Uh, God, I'm I'm still recovering from that marathon that we did on the weekend. Like for for those who don't know, for those who don't know, listeners, is that we actually recorded commentary for the entire fucking card with no breaks. You can call it commentary. Uh, yeah, it's basically it was basically a stream that we recorded, but no one watched. So I guess you can listen to it. It's up on Patreon, and it's up on the commentary for the main event. It's uh, is is up. With all the rest of the podcast that we release, uh, I guess if you're interested in hearing my thoughts on fucking what was I even talking about in there? The racism for quite a while. Yeah, yeah. I would I mean, not recommend watching the entire thing in one sitting. You got to like take it in in segments, like maybe an hour or so at a time. Yeah, I mean, the UFC broadcast team doesn't have to fill all of the airtime for like 40 minutes between fights when somebody gets knocked out. So, you know, we, we did our best. They have, they have the, they're privileged enough to have breaks. We aren't. We, try to, we have to fill the gaps. We have to fill the dead air with constant yammering about whatever. I also broke my fucking chair. While doing an impression of Jordan Peterson having explosive diarrhea, so I guess if you want to listen to that, you can check it out. It's up for three bucks on the Patreon. If that's not worth three bucks on the Patreon, I don't know what is. Get your fucking money's worth. All right, uh, it's like thirty-minute breaks where he gets to go drink juice, whereas we just had to be on fire for like seven hours. Yeah, yeah, and we managed to do that for the for the most part, yeah. or, or at least we were. At the very least, we were smoking. There was smoke coming out our ears because we yeah. were so tired. Uh, all right, uh, I'm with uh, what's your podcast called again? The forbidden, for, for, forbidden, the forbidden technique. Uh, yeah, the forbidden 
the Forbidden Stroke game, whatever. <laughs> okay, I'm joined by Silas and Christian of the Forbidden Technique podcast. You may have listened to it already. We've released, uh, like, they're just pumping these episodes out uh, two, two times per week for each event, for the past event and for the upcoming event. They're just, they're a well-oiled machine in that they actually also have an editing process and an intro and everything. They're actually professional to a certain extent. Hello. Hello. How's it going, Tobin? Well, uh, the, the, I mean, obviously not well. <laughs> <laughs> I am unwell, but that, that's a regular occurrence. Uh, the, the, these podcasts, they're just a stream of consciousness. I just shoot statements from my mouth, and in retrospect, they sometimes even make sense. But the reason why I assembled everyone here is that, uh, well, to talk shit about nothing, but also to, due to the holiday rush, uh, because uh, we uh, we celebrate Lunar New Year over here, I've had to like do run around doing errands and such, so I was super busy, couldn't record, couldn't do much of anything really, didn't have any free time, so Silas and Christian graciously filled in for me with uh, regular coverage of combat sports and offered their analytical uh, insights for various cards, but the first one that I've missed was uh, the UFC 270 recap and uh, the um, 170 kilogram kickboxing Grand Prix semifinals. So uh, let's start with the uh, less obvious one. 1FC, what was it like? How did it go? It was cool. We only watched the kickboxing on it because 1FC MMA is trash and they're just a kickboxing organization to me. That is entirely fair. But um, Chingas Alasov, because uh, Joe Natawa, a TIE fighter, had to replace Marat Gregorian against Chingas Alasov because oh, no. of uh, an injury. And uh, Chingas just absolutely blew him out of the water, uh, like knocked him down twice in a minute. Second one finished him. He was like throwing these like big flashy combinations, but like just looking to land single counters whenever Joe Natawa would lash out back at him. No, I, I suppose it looked like more of a mismatch than it was. On paper, was, you mean? So, so yeah. like on paper, it was actually a good matchup, but he, then he just shit stomped him anyway. I mean, we said Natawa was in the fight, but was probably going to lose, and yeah, he just obliterated him instantly. Oh, but I mean, Ch- Chingas has been doing that lately. I don't think Sami Sana had ever been stopped before he fought Chingas Alazov, and Chingas also just made him look like he didn't belong there. Well, to quote. Uh, a uh, Japanese kickboxer I, whose name I forget uh, Chingas Alazov is too strong don't, don't put him in Grand Prix and tournaments anymore he's too fucking strong also to like a call back to my recap of uh, 1 on TNT I think Enrico Kell fucking robbed Chingas Alazov that piece of shit oh yeah you hate Enrico Kell right yeah, I hate him because I don't like his style and also he robbed Chingiz Alazov. And Chingiz Alazov is cool and Enrico Kell isn't. So get fucked, Enrico Kell. It's okay because Christian hates Chingiz Alazov. I don't <laughs> hate Chingiz. I just think he's like... We we watched the tape for him, watched like a good deal of his fights and he just kind of like didn't kill people that he could have killed sometimes. Uh, yeah. like he would just fuck around. Like he's not him. doing that lately. <laughs> definitely not. Like I, I, I enjoy his style. I think he's a fun fighter. He's definitely good. Like 
no, I, I get something out of watching him. He does just clearly think that everything he does is so cool, though. And he thinks that everything he does is cool, regardless of how cool what he actually did is in a vacuum. Because sometimes he does something sick, but then other times he'll just do something that's like kind of cool and be like, yeah, I'm the shit. <laughs> does he strike a pose? Does he strike a, a pose after a he strike the it's just, it's just the body language. Yeah, like he postures. He's like, oh, look at how fucking cool I am, bro. I just teeped you in the knee. It's like, yeah, that's sick, but like, <laughs> you know, knock the guy I mean, out. It's it's not. I presume it's not worse than what Adesanya does sometimes. No, no, no. Yeah. Uh, how did City Chai look? Uh he just absolutely took Davy Carrier to school. You know, it was a guy who he'd already beat twice. He really had his number. Yeah. But yeah, just like kicked the shit out of him from range, jabbed him up on the way in, and then if he got into the pocket, he'd clench him up and knee the shit out of him. And like, yeah, Davy Carrier barely landed on City Chai. And Sitchai was having so much fun, he just like started doing flips and shit at the end, just doing silly shit. Yeah, he got he was beating him up so badly that he just got to try stuff that he never normally does because he's normally very standard and safe. But instead, he's like, "Fuck it, I'm gonna do like a a spin kick into a like a crescent kick or, or cartwheel kick, whatever the fuck." Just like, yeah, it's always around, around. always fun to see uh, a straight laced technician let loose. Uh, it was it's, awful. It's just good. <laughs> it was the worst wheel kick I've ever seen. Oh, he's just oh, not. It was great. Not no, it was, no, it was great though. But sometimes you just gotta have fun. Can't be straight laced all the time, otherwise it'll get boring. Uh, me, for example, I'm never straight laced. Uh, I'm I'm never composed or anything. So I guess that's my stick now. I mean, the people who get burnt out on this sport, I think, are. The people who just take it way too seriously. True, true, very true. I've been encountering it, and it's more and more on social media. Like people are just burning out, and like, well, 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 why are you so invested in all this stuff? Especially people who invest in bad fighters. Simply don't, don't invest in them. They're bad. Or just in, enjoy the bad fighters for what they are. Yeah. Sometimes they have fun fights where silly shit happens, and it's it's fun. And yeah, it's like. Everyone was like, oh, Francis Ngannou, so much was like going for him. And, and then he, then it was a stinker. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, it was a stinker, but it was a fun one. It was fun watching Francis Ngannou toss Cyril Gunn around. It was interesting, at least. Yeah, it's one of those fights like, everyone sort of expected me to get really angry about it for some reason. Even though I made it clear that I expect the fight to be boring. If uh, Francis Ngannou doesn't starch Cyril Gunn, so like uh, I wasn't wasn't put off by it, wasn't surprised by it. So Cyril Gunn, like as as I I said uh, while watching this fight, Cyril Gunn, goddammit, he sucks, and then immediately follow it by Francis Ngannou, goddammit, he makes me proud to be an American. It's a free country. If you if you wish to hoist up. Uh, 300 pound man in the air and slam him on the ground with two bum knees. You can do it. Fucking hell, you can do it. God damn it. Frank, big Frank's f- f- wrestling clinic. That was. That, that was something else to watch. He just had to uh, go to that Eric Nixick grind set coach. Yeah. Just teach him how to wrestle. Yeah. Eric Nixick has been kind of winning me over. Lately, because it used to be, I would hear that a fighter goes to extreme couture to train, and I was like, "What? What the fuck?" <laughs> like, it's like two 
2019, 2020, 2021, etc. And then it turns out Eric Nixick is actually a really, really great coach. With yeah, the gym good... is, is like a completely different than it used to be. Like it has like yeah. an entirely new training structure. It's just the same name, pretty much. So basically, it's like a grandfather's axe. And the actual axe has been replaced once, and the uh, the handle was re- replaced twice. Yep. Yeah. But uh, Eric, like Eric Nixick is uh, one of the few coaches that actually use the pep talk corner advice appropriately. Like, Francis Ngannou had two exploded knees and couldn't strike well. And, like, the the fight wasn't going well for him, didn't start well, wasn't feeling well. So he basically gave him a pep talk. That's fine. That's when you can give your fighter, like, a lift, a moral boost. And not just all the time. Like, you see with a lot of fighters, like, they... Have a bad round, sit down, and then all the corner advice is doing is that all the corner does is to just go, oh, like, uh, do this for your mama and such. Pretty much every MMA coach nowadays thinks that they're just about to be a part of like a compilation of sick uh, hype job where they talk about their fighter like, you're, you're going to win, you're going to kill this guy, you got to go out and do it, and then it'll get put in a YouTube compilation of the guy going out and doing it. But instead, the guy just gets his ass whooped because he doesn't know what to do. Yeah, you haven't given him any tactical advice. You haven't given him any idea of on what he has to do. Uh, yeah, and I think you need to know it, like what is the right amount of tactical advice and just bullshit pep talk. Because like, also, I think some coaches like go down the road of giving their fighter way too much tactical information and just fries their brain because they're in a fight and they can't deal with it all. They can't process it. Yeah, sometimes certain coaches just straight up analyze the fight live, <laughs> like recite it to the fighter, and the fighter like, what, what, what the fuck are you talking about? And yeah, that backfires as well. It needs to be a balance, which we've talked about this before. I think I mentioned it multiple times already in many different pots, but I guess it's one of those things that has to be re-emphasized. Uh, you, you, you told me there was a sick fight on that card. Uh, I mean, did you catch the, the co-main event? Uh, no. Davison Figueredo versus Brandon Moreno? I slept through the fucking thing. I just woke up in time for Francis Ngannou and see him toss Cyril Ngannou around. That's, that, that's it. Oh, it was good. I mean, it was the most competitive of the, th- of the three fights. Um, both of them held their ground a lot more consistently. Look, Figueredo invested in low kicks and like did a decent job defending wrestling and yeah, was able to create exchanges where he got a couple big counters off and Really hurt Brandon Moreno a couple times. It was a close enough fight, but fair enough for Figueredo to take the win. If you, if Sir was to be believed, Figueredo just shit stomped Brandon Moreno. Well, I'm sure sure Sir would say that. <laughs> I mean, it, it, the first round, like he hurts Figueredo pretty badly. <laughs> well, at the very least, at the very least, it wasn't like was the commentary biased again this time around. I do not. I have the commentary on when I'm watching fights. I actively avoid specifically any commentary where it's Rogan, and I believe it was Rogan on commentary. Uh, sometimes I turn it up just for like a split second to just get a feel for the commentary, mm-hmm. and then I turn it down, turn it back down again. Uh, but basically, the other two notable things were Said Namagamadov um, ninja choked Cody Stamen in like 50 seconds, which was kind of cool. 
And um, if there's a fight that you've actually like, got to go back and watch, it's Victor Henry versus Hanny Barcelos. Um, Victor Henry coming in as a debuting guy, but with a ton of experience off of the regional scene and just like had a great read on how to break down Hanny Barcelos, put, put on a crazy pace. Like I thought Hanny did a great job, was like uh, doing well, like grappling with Victor Henry and was like countering off of his defense a lot more actively. But Victor Henry just just drowned him, smothered him in the clinch, put on, put on put out crazy striking numbers. It, it, it was a sick fight. Hmm. I might actually watch it now. Yeah, it uh, I think I, I may like that. That's Victor Henry. He's cool. I like him. I haven't watched the single fight of him. Single fight of his, but that's the case for a lot of fighters. What did you think of the fight, Christian? Um, like Henry versus Barcelos was like cool because it seemed like Barcelos was like kind of working off of the the issues that he had in the Valiev fight because even though he kind of got robbed by Valiev, it was his fault that he dropped the decision. Uh, he was just letting the guy pour on a bunch of non-existent, like non-threatening volume, and then being too defensive. So he was like, okay, I just need to throw back whenever guys are doing this. But a guy like uh, Victor Henry is actually going to hit you like a lot with the volume he's throwing. He's not just going to like tap jabs at you and then inside low kick you as the, the big payoff for his eight feints to set it up the strike. He'll actually just hit you a bunch. So it seemed like he was doing all the right things you'd want to do in the matchup against Valiev, but Victor Henry's just a better version of that matchup on the feet. And also Victor Henry's just got like a really good coaching team. Oh, what's the name of the heavyweight that coached them? Josh Barnett. Josh Barnett. Yeah, Josh Barnett just yelling, how, hustle, how, hustle. How the fuck <laughs> did you forget Josh Barnett? I, I just couldn't think of his name for some reason. I was like, it's not Jan Blahovich. It's fucking the guy that looks like him. The guy with a big old beard. Just a big lad with a big old beard. They all look the same. Yelling, hustle, <laughs> hustle. And then when his opponent, his fighter was hustling. So, like, that's good corner advice, honestly. Like, if it yeah. works, it works. Oh, and also, Jack Della Maddalena is like a cool prospect at welterweight. He kind of just knocked out a can, but he's just been showing good looks in um, that and his contender series fight. Just seems like a very well-schooled boxer, like good defense, good counters, just good mechanics on everything. Uh, I actually have this card downloaded on my hard drive. I torrented it in its entirety, and I've yet to watch a single fight in there outside of the main event. Just could not be asked, and also didn't have any time, but I guess it happens. What, what... I mean, you can just listen to the Forbidden Technique podcast and True. talk about everything important. So. True. That that's uh, a note. Uh, like, write this down. Everyone who listens to Tengridon but doesn't listen to the Forbidden Technique for some reason, they they cover all the shit that I don't cover. Uh, thanks, thank fucking Christ for that. I mean, not all of it. <laughs> I mean, well, we we did cover Manson versus Strickland in its fucking entirety, like from top to bottom, because we watched it top to bottom for some reason. Yeah, that made doing the Forbidden Technique more difficult because I was like, I already talked about that fight, like, as or the card, like, in as much depth as I could live. Whereas normally live for the events, I'm just like shit talking. I'm just like saying silly shit. Whereas I was actually like trying to watch the fights intently and like see what was happening. And oh, now you're, just, now you're learning. Now you're learning how hard this fucking thing is to actually pull off. Everyone thinks that, uh, oh, I'm just going to become a fight analyst and shit out my takes about fights. But to actually have good takes 
you have to pay attention. And then, even if you pay attention, it all blends together, and then you can start making shit up about fights. Just for no reason, because it's it, it all turns into a mush in your brain. I guess now I, I'm actually like not as mad at Connor Rebush as I usually am, or Jack Slack, because sometimes they do say stuff that makes me go, oh, and makes me raise my eyebrow. Look at the screen from from behind my coffee mug or a whiskey glass in a in a, in a bathrobe in front of a fireplace. But no, actually, I don't have a fireplace. Anyway, <clears throat> anyway, Manson versus Strickland. Uh, you you guys covered everything already. I uh, just gonna like I I guess g- gonna do a blitz. We just kind of sort of briefly talk about our impressions again. <laughs> I, I don't know. What did you think about the main event? Uh, everyone got really, really angry about the main event, apparently, for some reason. And me and Christian were put off by it afterwards because you weren't present for the commentary, right? You just, you, you bailed like a coward. Mm-hmm. You, you had to sleep like some kind of, like some kind of chump, like some kind of normal human being. You had to t- take a nap. But I had to do my real job the next day. Uh, fucking, who, who, who needs Gorge. real jobs? Like nerd, nerd. Uh, was bullied. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, Sean Strickland, Jack Hermanson. Everyone got really, really angry about this fight, and everyone was talking about, "Ah, oh, this fight sucks. Middleweight sucks. This just, this is a showcase for how terrible the division is." And I suppose if you approach it from the perspective of, "Oh, this is this is our title elimination fight," y- yeah, th- then I guess I get it, because like the gulf and skill between. Adesanya and Whitaker and the rest of the division is pretty gigantic, I'd say. But if you take this fight in a vacuum and kind of like don't pay attention to all that crap and don't treat the, these guys as title contenders, then it was a fine performance. It was it was okay. It was cozy. Uh, Strickland did uh, all he needed to do to win this fight, even though Sol Diamato didn't see it this way because Sol Diamato. Apparently was watching some other fight. He was watching a Jack Manson highlight on his phone. But one thing I have to note, though, is that uh, even though Sean Strickland's feet were all, all over the place, uh, Jack Manson didn't exactly punish him for that. He did try to kick him up, but it wasn't consistent. Didn't find ways to enter range. Uh, yada, yada, yada. Kind of tried to blitz in every time and got jabbed up. So Jack Manson, I don't know... I know he has better boxing than this. I saw him box people. Saw him box with people, but in this one, it was just a shout-out. Uh, I don't know what he was thinking or doing or trying to do. Sean Strickland was basically like allowed to one-one to him into oblivion. And Sean Strickland, I guess the the one criticism that I have for Sean Strickland, I guess, is that he could have knocked Jack Manson out already somewhere around the the, the middle of the fourth round, but and fucking well he didn't and he still won so i guess there's that i'm not as mad at it as uh, i guess because i didn't have any expectations coming into the fight i wasn't as angry as i could have been because normally i get very annoyed when fighters aren't able to finish people uh that they are clearly dominating uh especially in like um in performances like Usman's against Colby Covington the second time around where he like had Covington grasping for breath and on the cusp of actually giving giving out his soul, and then 
lets him back into the fight and it arguably led to Colby Covington winning the fifth round in some eyes uh, or like making the fight competitive, which is annoying. It's always annoying. This time it wasn't. Uh. Yeah, I think that like Hermanson not being able to get any boxing off is mostly just that like Strickland is not aggressive enough to ever put himself so out of position that he can get hurt. Because, you know, Jacare got dropped by Hermanson, but it's because he was leaning over his feet by like a full f- like foot over his knees and got hit by a four-punch combination on the jaw. And, and like, Hermanson has boxed up other people that come towards him, but I, I can't think of anyone he's actually put off while trying to move forward. And Strickland's just was very negative. Yeah. I mean, I guess Strickland, um, in certain situations, Strickland's defense isn't all that hot. But against Hermanson, he looked like a defensive wizard because Hermanson wasn't doing anything like smart with his hands or feet. <laughs> so we got to see Sean Strickland show off some neat, like um, uh, some neat tricks that uh, a person that spars a lot would know, like certain like responses to certain like very specific scenarios. Like, oh, Jack Hermanson is blitzing in. I'm gonna like uh, do a back foot teep, counter teep. To, to stifle him, or like I'm gonna turn my elbow out to block a, a wide hook, that kind of stuff. It was neat. And some of the long guardy stuff that he tried to do, the checking of the hands and such, eh, it was alright. I wasn't mad at it. Didn't get mad at it. Uh, I didn't get mad at the performance, and uh, that's saying something. If you, if you know me, that's saying something. I guess Nick Maximoff versus Punahele Sariana. Punahele won that fucking fight. Uh, this was a fight that made us mad. That was the fight that made us mad. Uh, Nick Maximoff wasn't accomplishing enough with his wrestling. Uh, Sariana wasn't like showcasing like terrible, terrible wrestling instinct, despite ostensibly being a wrestler. Uh, uh, like his, yeah, he did start out as a wrestler. Constantly went for the corner sit, the switch, and uh, didn't crossface, didn't wizard, didn't use anything like, you know, the basic things that you have to use to defend takedowns. Constantly just like tried to turn and kind of like hit that switch, but didn't. And Nick Maximov wasn't able to build from anywhere from there, from any position that he able was able to secure. Uh, just kind of like ah, and lay down there and kind of push forward. And that's it. Uh, I guess Nick Maximov took the third. Fake Nick Diaz took the third. And that's that. That's it. It was two to one for Naheli. But it was because uh, the judging was like straight up from 2007. Uh, the fake Nick Diaz got that decision, which was annoying. A real middleweight ass fight. How do you feel about Shafkat Rachmanov? Uh, he is neat. I like him. I like that he exists. I enjoy his presence in the division. <laughs> um, uh, I don't. I think he's very raw still, despite having a bunch, of, a whole bunch of fights. He's very janky in certain respects. Has some certain looks that make me go, "Eh, you'll get punished for that." But uh, overall, uh, his run. I enjoyed his run in the UFC. Uh, he, he's a good finisher. Has good instincts on the ground, and as you said, live on the commentary, despicable ground and pound. <laughs> uh, that finishing sequence was sick. Uh, the one, yeah, like, he's put he's put multiple people out cold just with his ground and pound. There's not a thing that you see that much. Yeah, 
Yeah. Usually it's just people like kind of punching on the guard and like going, ah. Yeah, people, people getting overwhelmed and not being able to improve position, but he's actually like sleeping fools on the ground. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it's good. Ninety percent of ground and pound finishes are Jelton Almeida versus Danilo Marquez. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) You you just get them out, and then you just just punch their face. You just tap your bongo on their head. Yeah, true, true. Uh, what else was there? Uh, yeah. Well, Rachmanov. Uh, knocked out Carlston Harris in a very like emphatic fashion. It was a neat setup that he did. He first landed with a spinning back kick to the body and then did the same motion but turned it into a spinning hook kick to the head. Uh, kind of Harris sort of like tumbled over and then Rachmanov jumped on top of him and like was standing really really tall and just throwing these cruise missiles at his fucking head and knocked him out cold. That was sick. It was cool. Uh, Brandon Allen knocked out Sam Alvey. Oh, he submitted Sam Alvey, but basically he could club and subbed him with a, with a rear naked choke with no hooks in. <laughs> Fucking yeah, Sam like, Alvey, man. For the second time in three fights for Sam Alvey. Oh my god. Yeah, you cannot take Sam Alvey down. He is untakedownable, but he is very submittable. Because he also got like put in a standing arm triangle by Ryan Spahn. I mean, Sam Alvey's recent streak it's just something something else just check it out just pull his wikipedia page or topology page page up and take a look at this yeah i mean it starts with getting knocked out by lil nog bj pen eat your heart out he's coming from bj's record oh this is a much worse losing streak than bj pen because he's tied for numbers but the level of competition is Significantly worse. BJ Penn actually lost to, like, you know, competition, not just anyone. <laughs> yeah, like, people can give shit to Clay Guida, but, like, it's Clay Guida. He's a good fighter. Like, him, him beating BJ Penn is, is fine. And BJ yeah. put a good account of himself as much as you could when you're on, like, an 85 fight losing streak and haven't won in 15 years. Uh, there was also the tough finale, Brian Battle versus Treshawn Gore. For as much for for as um, cool sounding as the names are, the fight really wasn't. Uh, Trishan Gore, I kind of he kind of like he obviously very raw, but kind of showcased that uh, that that uh, that he has an idea of what he wants to do. It's just that he hasn't doesn't have the tools and the fight IQ to quite pull it to to pull it off just yet. And Brian Battle kind of I guess toughed it out, outlanded Trishan Gore, so I guess that's fine. That's fine. Julian Arosa versus Steven Peterson. Now that's a fight. Yeah, now this this was a fight. That's what that was a fight. Uh, it was kind of basically like Kai Kara France versus uh, Brandon Royval on ultra settings. Like if Brandon Royval versus Kai Kara France was a video game and you just got a new GPU, uh, you, you install that game and then crank all the settings up, and that's what you get. <laughs> uh, yeah, the second round was complete insanity. Just both guys like trading knockdowns. One guy would get knocked down, but then come harder for the other guy, and then the other guy would get knocked down. It was just like, oh fuck, oh fuck, oh fuck. Yeah, it was great. I've I've done my best to try to actually commentate that fight, but still, the um, because I frequently criticize the UFC commentary booth for going like, oh fuck, instead of actually saying what's happening. Uh, but in this fight, I think it, it's kind of forgivable. 
to do that because it genuinely is that insane. Yeah, round two might be round of the year. Like it, it could hold up. It's the front runner for sure for now, for now at least. And uh, uh, what did you say about Steven Peterson? I remember you saying something about him, like that, like that, that, that for as uh, aggressive as he looks and f- uh, for as aggressive as he falls, he still looks like a guy that doesn't that doesn't swear or something, something like that. I, I I have absolutely no memory of what I said about that fight. That entire right. watch was just a blur. True, true. Oh yeah, I remember it. Yeah, uh, Christian was very high g- g- during that fight, and he said something like, uh, or "Was it me?" Because oh, when Stephen Peterson dropped dropped the decision, he was like, "Oh, darn it!" Or something. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's why. I, I, yeah, I think saying like, bad butt. Yeah, Steve, Steven Peterson is a bad butt. That's who he is. <laughs> bad butt motherfucker. Yeah. He's like, oh god dang it, I lost a freaking decision. He's <laughs> uh, acting bull bull crap, bro. Yeah, like uh, I guess like uh, John Castaneda versus Miles Jones was in a K fight. Hakim Dawudu versus Michael Trezano was a cool fight. Or rather, performance from Hakim. Mean Hakim does it again. Pretty much yep, just the, took the Trezano machine. apart. Yeah. Yeah. Well, 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 this time he looked more aggressive than usual and looked more like actually put, putting in. It looked like he was putting in effort to stay in neutral space as opposed to backing himself up and countering from there. So it was a more judge-friendly look, I guess. Uh, Joko Ani knocked out Marc-Andre Berriot like 16 seconds. Just once, once the first punch he throws, literally the first one. Uh, and I guess the rest of the fight was kind of all right. The, the rest of the card, rather. The first three fights were... It was were... a really funny arm injury in the, in the first Oh, y- yes, yes, yes. It was a really weird one. Uh, Malcolm Golden versus uh, Denise Banberi. Uh, Malcolm Golden was defending a takedown, I think. Uh, th- that was it, right? And uh, Banberi kind of sort of landed on his arm and tried to. Oh, oh no! He tried to post. He tried to post, yeah. and his arm just sort of like went. It was really, really strange. Don't know what happened. Actually, let me try and look it up now. I think that there there was an armbar that looked like it was pretty in for a moment. I don't mm. know if it might oh, have yeah, that, yeah. or a pre-existing injury or a combination. Shit happens. Yeah. MMAfighting.com. Then <laughs> Denise Bander suffers horrific arm injury in W loss. I mean, it was disgusting. It was pretty gross. Yeah. I mean... Uh, limb injuries and uh, stuff like that is always pretty gross looking. It's I think it's the only thing that makes me go ah when I'm watching an no, MMA. I'm, I, I, I'm the same. That's the stuff that grosses me out. Like people's shins getting snapped and their arms going yeah. the wrong way. I don't like it. It's what yeah. I live for for MMA. <laughs> yeah, because you're a fucking psycho. <laughs> Christian is like the kind of person that hears that a person just fucking died from a knockout and then you go and look it up. <laughs> he'll feel terrible about it later, but he'll still watch it. Yeah, Dan wrote the article on a like I think it was Emil Griffith 
and, and then, then I immediately was like, oh, okay. Well, he said the fight's really good. I'll watch it. And then I watched it and it was like, oh, yeah, someone dies at the end. <laughs> like, flat out of death. <laughs> did, you, did you at least feel bad about watching it at the end? I mean, like- yeah, but I, I didn't feel bad for watching the fight. But I, I was like, this feels gross seeing someone die. Mm-hmm. But the actual fight itself was very good. Yeah, at least it's something. Uh, viewer discretion for Emil Griffith, Griffith versus uh, uh, fucking I'm blanking on the name. Of the, Don't yeah, know name. Benny Perret. Yeah, it's a really cool fight. It's a horrific finish. One uh, of the latest stoppages you'll ever see. Yeah, have and watch it has as bad a result as it can get from it. Watch the fights up until the very end, and then turn it off. And then read Dan's article. He wrote an article, an extensive article about the fight. Also an extensive article about Emil Griffith. Quick plug. Yep. Uh, uh, when Silas is going to be editing this, there's going to be a lot of ahs on my, on my track. Oh my god, you have no idea when I'm editing my own uh, dialogue when I'm doing the podcast. It's insane. You, you're actually, you actually edit all that shit out, don't you? Mm-hmm. Because you, you, because you're a sound guy, you actually have to do this. I usually, I used to do that, but now I just can't be asked. I mean, I'd rather just be good at podcasting and not have to do it. But we'll we'll get there. I'll get there. You'll get there eventually. I used to like splice together individual sentences from several unconnected sentences. Like I would just go like, "And this was a good fight." <laughs> Close enough, I guess. And then it would take me four hours to put out a single episode. Yeah, it was it was a real pain in the ass. It was. Yeah, I guess we're done with the fucking card. You can watch it, or you can you can skip it. It's one of those. It was all right. You can check it out. Recommend at its moments. Yeah, I'd recommend watching every finish on the card, and then the decisions. If you care about the fighters, you can watch it. But yeah, there, watch uh, Arosa. If you're going to watch one of the decisions, yeah, Arosa Peterson. Arosa Peterson, uh, Hakim Dabodu versus Michael Trezano, and all the knockouts. And that's it. I guess you can watch the main event if you're interested in seeing like certain like cool boxing looks in MMA. Uh, but that's that. It's more of a curiosity than an actual like interesting performance or fight. Yeah, uh, you're trying to stay informed for what's going on at middleweight. You got to see the fight for like divisional context because it is an important fight, even though it's a little weird. It's it's like it's an important fight on paper, but when you actually think about it, like does Sean Strickland have anything to offer to Adesanya or Whitaker? I mean, does he? Um, he only has a twenty three percent chance of getting hit statistically. <laughs> so like Adesanya's got to really make those shots count. Uh, and Rob's not going to be able to take him down. Yeah, statistically. Y- you can't. Sean Strickland's just too good. Yeah, as we all know, the numbers do not lie. Always Betters trust must. the numbers. Betters must fucking love Sean Strickland. A lot of people think he's a psycho, so they're going to pick him by like first round chewing his opponent's face off, and then he's just always going to win a decision. <laughs> you know what? You know what weirds me out is that Betters seem to not like Max Holloway all that much. Which is strange. Max Holloway produces the biggest numbers out of anyone on the roster. If you look at his numbers, it's just the biggest numbers everywhere. Come on. Why do you dislike him so much, Betters? Anyway. 
Yeah. I think it's just because he's like sick as hell and sometimes is going to try and do like a movie moment and him doing uh, a movie moment could lead to some cool offense that's hard to predict. Yeah. Better's just like, uh, they're allergic to cool stuff in fighting. Allergic to, to knockout finishes, allergic to guys who try to go out of their way to produce legacy moments. Anyway, UFC 271, I guess we'll just do a quick uh, preview and then we'll fucking get out of here. Because I, I'm running out. My, my brain is completely fried. Uh, I may return in triumphant form. May do a triumphant return to form after the pay-per-view. But for now, uh, it's a mush. All right, uh, what, what do you guys think? You actually watched tape for this, for this uh, pay-per-view. You have things to say. Yeah, I mean, we're going to be covering a decent chunk of the cards uh, on the Forbidden Technique podcast, but I'm I'm mainly interested to hear what you you have to say about the rematch in the main event, Israel Adesanya and Rob Whitaker, of course. Uh, well, this entire podcast, Silas and Christian, just dumping all the workload on uh, on me. It's your show. Oh, 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 fucking, I'll, fucking I'll talk about some Derek Lewis tied to Rivasa if you want to talk about. Yeah, you can. We 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 already talking about this stuff. It's a typical. We 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 got we got we got to get your takes too, man. It's a typical British person, like like uh, offshoring fucking labor to of uh, overseas. Uh, I I guess fucking Adesanya Whitaker. What, what can you say? I don't know. I don't fucking know what's gonna happen. I think would probably the same thing, right? Yeah, my brain says that Adesanya is likely going to starch Whitaker because it's a fucking rough matchup every which way you look. Because like if Whitaker. Like doesn't chase and try to actually like box at range, uh, you'll get kicked up because Whitaker doesn't enjoy getting kicked up, and uh, Adesanya is really good at kicking people up. If Whitaker tries to enter range and exchange in the pocket, I guess if he stays composed, he may win certain exchanges because Adesanya is not like a psychotic pocket murderer, but uh, Adesanya is dangerous in the pocket, and he did catch Whitaker chasing first time around and. Uh, according to Whitaker himself, he might just do the same thing, even though he was saying that tongue and check, tongue and cheek, tongue and check. Uh, that that should be a saying as well. I think people need to. It's it's a good pun. Anyway, uh, I guess Whitaker did express his um, desire to try and re- replicate uh, Jan Blachowicz, Jan Blachowicz's performance against the designer, but. First of all, Robert Whitaker is not 300 pounds. And second of all, Whitaker doesn't exactly wrestle from his knees. Uh, so uh, he, he might get to the body lock and attempt that certain like, takedowns from there. Might even take Adesanya down off like a, a blitz and jab and then crash into the clinch and then like, uh, use the momentum to take Adesanya down. But Adesanya is very lanky. Uh, he has uh, he's rangier than Whitaker, so it's, it's going to be hard to pull off, and it's going to be hard to take to kind of hold him down because Whitaker is not exactly like the kind of top player to just smother you, sit on top of you, and then you just can't get out from under him, from underneath him. Kananier, uh well, obviously he's not like you know like a huge bottom player, and he's just very strong, and Whitaker had trouble holding him down. So, for example, like someone like Bakovic is likely... Well, Bakovic actually did decision him. I don't remember how. I don't think I watched that fight, but 
Like, oh, you jabbed him up. Yeah, I jabbed him up. Like, like actually beat the shit out of him. <laughs> parts. The, yeah. I don't fucking know. I, I guess, like, the one in... Uh, the first opening minutes, I think, will tell us a lot about how the fight is going to go. Because, uh... I mean, Whitaker, Whitaker is very gritty. And he may just about, like, hang tough in there and try and come up with certain looks. Uh, but... And he, admittedly, he was, uh, he, by his own admission, he wasn't in the best of mental spaces for the first fight. So if he comes in with a, you know, he, if he's in a better place now, he may be less anxious and thus try to actually pressure behind the jab and uh, extend the exchanges and uh, punish Adesanya's uh, uh, over-reliance on reads and feints and people being scared by his feints, because that's, that's one of the major uh, issues with Adesanya's game, is that he will throw like a hundred feints, and if you don't bite, he will not follow it up with a strike. And we all saw it in several fights now. I guess a good avenue for Whitaker would be to engage Adesanya in uh, like these really sort of quick, but also sort of kind of exchange, extended exchanges. It's, it sounds weird, but just trying to picture it, like Whitaker pressuring behind his jab because he was beating Adesanya consistently to the punch in the first fight with his jab. It's just that he started chasing afterwards. He could get Adesanya leaning and then throw to the body because Adesanya's defense against uh, linear strikes is literally just lean backwards. So, blitz in behind the jab, dig to the body, maybe um, enter the clinch and then sort of like try and grind it out. Uh, find some transitional offense because Robert Whitaker is is uh, capable of that, entirely capable of that. Try and take him down, find offense off takedown at- attempts, that kind of stuff. But easier said than done. So Christian, take it away. Your very detailed Derek Lewis versus Taito Ivasa preview. Okay, I think that Taito Ivasa is going to do his absolute best to pressure, and Derek Lewis is going to stand completely still against the cage, occasionally circling a little bit, and then someone's getting knocked out after a feeling out process for the first minute. I think the first minute is going to be kind of tentative, but you know, Ty maybe throwing a low kick, you know, trying out an overhand, and Derek Lewis just looking at him menacingly, and then doing a flying knee. Because Derek Lewis goes so many, he's just so many fucking flying strikes, and he's like not that bad at them. And Taito Ivasa is a guy that I do not think is going to fight scared at all. Now there you have it. Taito Ivasa has never fought anyone like he's scared of their power. No, like he he's a maniac. He's actually, you know what? We watched some Taito Ivasa last night. It is really easy to under like underrate how much he has improved in his time in the UFC. Like if you watch his Junior Dos Santos fight, he oh like genuinely God. doesn't have a he doesn't have a clue what he's doing. Junior Dos Santos um, in in like in high mounts, landing down strikes, and Taito Iwasa tries to exchange. Well, he was, <laughs> he was winning the exchange. Other than that, like Junior Dos Santos, like outmaneuvered him on the back foot for decent decent portions of that fight, oh which my God. Is, you know. You know, Junior Dos Santos, known for his uh, his ring craft. The the notorious, notoriously highly educated ring general, Junior uh, Dos Santos. I mean, what what do, what do you expect? What did you expect? 
<sighs> yeah, but then against Augusto Sakai, he was actually like, he was just doing so much better, doing so much better of a job of con- pressuring consistently and like staying in his stance while he was moving and like moving with his strikes and just cutting Augusto Sakai off. Again, these are very heavyweight like things to be praising someone for improving on, but um, I just find Tai Tuivasa incredibly charming for whatever reason, and it's cool to see him just on this weird little win streak. Yeah, I, think- I don't know. I think Tai Tuivasa is kind of a disgusting slob, especially because he does those shoes. Yeah, that's why I love him. Uh, everyone expects me to be into like Tai Tuivasa because he's some kind of like disgusting barbarian. Because I'm also a disgusting barbarian from the step, but I actually wash myself. I don't drink beer out of shoes. Come on, he knocks people out and he does a big old jiggle. He says some silly shit. I I just like his demeanor. Like he he really enjoys fighting, and even in, like in his losses, he's definitely competitive. But he's like, ah, shit, I got got. You know, like he he just seems like a decent guy. He knocked the shit out of Greg Hardy. That was badass. Well, that that's that, yeah. I, I gotta give him that. I, I will actually. Uh, that was an achievement of a lifetime, knocking out a really really shitty fighter who's also a shithead that everyone hates, but no one can, no one could actually knock out prior to that. So thank you, Taito Ivasa, for getting rid of uh, Greg Hardy. Greg Hardy was supposed to fight. Uh, Alexei Lenik, and I was really hyped for that fight because it would have been ridiculous. Then he was supposed to fight Sergei Spivak. I was very confidently going to pick Alexei Olenek by body shot TKO in the first round. Yeah, I was going to pick <laughs> Olenek by head kick. I was going to pick Olenek by, by, by a flying knee. Oh, fuck yeah. yeah. I'm not sure he can jump high enough to do a body flying knee. Well, he can do it to the leg. He would have TKO'd him with a flying knee to the leg. Where do you see that, huh? He'll get his back. Don't see that coming. Start slamming knees into the back of his knee. Yeah. Viciously. Vicious, vicious knees to the back of the knee from a clinch position along the fence. And then then as Greg falls to the ground, he'll just, like, reach down and squeeze his his calves really hard. And then he would tap from getting his calves squeezed just by Alexi's grip strength. He would go, ouch! Don't like, do that! That hurts, ow! Ow! He would, he would quote his wife as he was beating her. <laughs> uh, his, his voice would become as high-pitched as hers was. That would be comic justice. Uh, anyway, that, that, fight, that card is actually looking kind of, kind of neat. I, I'm not mad at it. Uh, Jared Cannonier, Derek Brunson, that's a cool fight. Uh, Kyler Phillips, Marcelo Rojo. Uh, it, it works. Bobby Green versus Nasrath Hakparas. That, that's going to be fun. Let's go, Bobby Green. Let's go, Bobby Green, the coolest person in the world. Coolest fucking man living uh, out of anyone. Cooler than even Neil Young. I think Nasrath is going to be, I think he's going to be like the perfect canvas to bo- for Bobby Green to do all of the cool shit he wants on. Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, Nasrath Hakparast is kind of funny because uh, everyone thought that he's the better Kelvin Gastelum, but in fact he's just Kelvin Gastelum. He really fights like Kelvin Gastelum. <laughs> fights in a better division, but has a worse chin. Yes. So basically like a much, much worse <laughs> Kelvin Gastelum, if you can yeah. imagine that. He doesn't even have the same offensive potency that 
Gaslam has. Like, Gaslam can give a hard fight to Israel Adesanya. Nasrat gets fucking torched by, like, Drew Dober. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Drew Dober gave uh, Brad Riddell a tough fight. Uh, but but he's not, like, exactly, you know... He... he it's just the matchup. Like, yeah. Nasrat is just not a guy that can beat someone that's like actually going to be able to put power on them when they're doing naked low kicks. Yeah, Nasrat also made Dan Hooker look like fucking GSP. Oh my god! Yeah, and I like I like Dan Hooker, but like he's a opportunistic finish guy. If if you're just like losing the first ever decision where he just decides to win an MMA fight against you, then that's like I don't know. I mean, Henry Cejudo was talking about moving up to featherweight, and I'm still waiting for them to announce Dan Hooker versus Henry Cejudo. That would <laughs> oh be a cool my fight. God, I would love to watch that fight. <laughs> Either Dan him Hooker or Sean Woodson intercepting. He, he'd intercepting knee Henry Cejudo, and he like Henry Cejudo would do a backflip and just be absolutely fine. <laughs> and then, Henry like, Cejudo on his knees and, and finish a takedown. Henry Cejudo starts scurrying around uh, Dan Hooker's ankles like an ant. <laughs> Somehow ends up taking him down anyway. The lowest single. The lowest low single in the world. Like Henry Cejudo playing fucking Shadow of the Colossus. <laughs> <laughs> Cejudo can legit just crawl around on the floor so he can't get intercepting knee legally and then just yes. like butt scoot, grab his legs, then sweep him. God, I'm trying to picture Henry Cejudo butt scooting, and I'm like thinking whether or not his limbs are actually long enough for that to happen, he for him be, to pull it off. He would be like shorter, like at his head height, shorter than Dan Hooker's kneecaps would come to. Yeah, I guess I guess Henry Cejudo is uh, cheeked up enough to actually butt scoot on his actual butt instead of using his limbs. That would be interesting to see. Uh Andrei Arlovsky, gentlemen, I don't care about them. Good. That's a good deal Arlovsky has in that he actually just shows up, kind of clinches some guy for three rounds, walks away with half a mil. That's a sick, sick gig. He's got to be... Like, is he still on that deal? I'm not sure, actually, but I think, I think he is. He's got to be making less than that at this point because he's not even fighting ranked guys for the most part. At least Overeem towards the end was still like fighting top five guys. They must have bumped him down a little bit. It's, it's preposterous. Uh, well, might, I mean, he might just have like a legend contract. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. In, in that he's one of the pioneers, so he gets away with it. All that money and all I that money, he and he still too. haven't fixed his nose. Maybe he's waiting until he retires to fix it. Vander or did he actually fix it now? Fighter. I, I, I don't know if it's fixed. He got a, a larger beard to distract from his nose, at least. Yeah. Remember when Andrei Arlovsky was the hottest person in the world, uh, in the world on the roster? <laughs> yep. <laughs> that was yeah. a long time ago. Um, and, like, last year, because he grew out the beard and looked fantastic. Yeah. There's a bunch, bunch of fights, bunch of fights, bunch of fights. Um, Alexander Hernandez versus Hernando Moicano. 
Moik is it's one of those fights where Moik should 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 be able to take it, but Hernandez is just I think Hernandez has exactly three minutes with which to knock the Moicano the fuck out. And if he doesn't, he gets absolutely tooled and like maybe finished in the third round. Yep, that's pretty much it. Uh the rest of the card, I don't know. Don't exactly care about the rest of it. Do you have any feelings about Match Now versus Alex Perez? Because that's one that I'm trying to wrap my head around because it's kind of too relevant not to mention, but I don't really get it. Uh, Match Now, Alex Perez is going to fight. The guy who's better is going to win. That's it. The guy that's better is Alex Perez, I believe. I am a, a large Match Now fan, but every time I watch him, I'm... I get like really annoyed and it feels like the exact matchup where Alex Perez is just going to like crack him real hard and then TKO him against the fence in the first round. Cause Chanel has bad defense, but he really wants to have good defense. Like he, he thinks he looks so cool when he's doing it. He just, he, he has, does that thing that guys that don't know how to roll with punches do where you just keep looking at your opponent from different like angles. You just keep turning your head over and over. I'm giving you different looks by literally looking at you from different positions over and over. And then he just gets it- cracked on the side of the jaw. Because it's, it's really like rote. The, the fucking looking to the right. Genius defense. Just look to the right and lean away. And, and he, he's really hittable in the pocket. Perez has like very little chance of actually getting submitted. Chanel likes the go for a guillotine and then turn into a triangle, which is like really slick. He got it three times in a row, I believe, at one point. But, you know, Perez has been submitted by Figueredo. Like, that's a, it's, it's Figueredo. You know, like he, him guillotining you is is not an indictment on you. Yeah, it's 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 not that bad. If anything, it's it's a sign of coolness. He got got choked out by some by someone cool who's good at chokes. And I think Alex Perez, like, I think you have to just break him by being tougher and more athletic than him. Mm. Like like the way that Joe Benavidez still had enough in the tank to just fucking bully him. Yeah. But like, yeah, it's. It's notable that his only losses in the UFC are to Joe B and Davison Figueredo, and when he's fighting the more physically underwhelming technicians, he generally takes those fights. I seem to recall. I actually seem to remember watching Match Now versus Joe B, and Joe, Joe B has done a great job there. Poor Joe B, <laughs> just mm. uh, just his entire career is just sad. Assassinated by Davis and Figueroa twice and two times in a row, and then fucking beaten by fucking Askar Askarov. Crikey. He does good art, though. Didn't he write a poem about his career that was like really, really melancholy and it upsetting? Yeah, yeah. Joe B has a he, he's a and a, a a refined soul. He has the soul of an artist. He has the soul of a person who also is into what's what's that fetish called? The one where a woman takes your sperm oh. and then pours it back into your mouth. Baby birding, I think. It's Baby called. birding, that's oh, it. God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a Nazi thing. That's a Nazi fartsy thing. That's the thing that a real artist would do. Badass by Joe B. He's just recycling. Yeah. Yeah, putting, getting your proteins back. yeah he's making sure he doesn't lose any testosterone that's just his grind set keeping him ready for all comers Mm. get it I said all comers so Douglas De Silva Andrade is on this card he's cool yeah 
the uh, he's fighting a guy. The oldest looking, the oldest looking thirty-six year old on the planet. He's so shredded, though. Yeah. Uh, it's he's kind fighting of like, a guy. He'll probably knock him out. Yeah, the SDA is cool. Sergey Morozov. Who is that? I don't know. Uh, uh, Someone we would watch if we had more time. He got choked out by Umar Namagomedov and won a decision over Khalid Taha. No. Yeah. Oh, he's from Kazakhstan as well. It's one of those yeah. matchups that we would definitely do more tape study for if we had the time for, but it's such a like large card with so much to talk about. Yeah, if this was on a fight night, I'd I'd have more to say about it, but th- this card's actually kind of stacked for things to talk about for us. Yes. Yes, it's it's uh some of these fights should have been actually just straight up moved to a fight night. Make the card shorter. Definitely. Condense it. Like a yeah, a card and a fight like Alex Perez versus Matt Schnell, it's not doing that much to like bulk out the prelims on this card, but would be a good like co-main event on a fight night card. Mm-hmm. I mean that's just the UFC. Just shit out these cards. Volume. Fill it out. Keep filling it up. Eat it, fucking pig. Eat it. Consume the slop. So you like donuts, dude? <laughs> God. This is just turning into in-jokes from our commentary. I think at some point I just started doing Simpsons impression. Well, then if you, want to, if you want to get the jokes, then sign up for the Patreon. Yeah, that, that, that's a smooth segue. Very smooth. Smooth like smooth little babies. <laughs> our, our, our youth is our greatest strength. Yeah, just oh, like Casey O'Neill to... versus Roxanne Modafferi. Oh, true, true. That's a, that's a fascinating matchup. Can't wait to see what how that plays out. Uh, it's, uh just just uh, prepare your cash, all in on. Who are you actually taking? Do you actually have a take on this fight? Uh, yeah, I'm actually pretty excited for it. I think Casey O'Neill is going to murder Roxanne Montefiore. I love Roxanne. I, ho- I hope she does well and doesn't get murdered. But Casey O'Neill is so violent and twice the athlete, despite still being a bad athlete. Oh so, my god! And she's she's like 25 or something, maybe younger. She's she's she seems like the type of fighter that they're just like, oh, you know, Roxanne's having her her retirement fight. Well, let's boost this prospect by having her mulch her in a round. Or two rounds, maybe, because Casey kind of starts slow a little bit. Thanks, UFC. Uh, I guess that's it. <laughs> I think we've yeah. finally ran out of things to say. We could say more things, but they wouldn't be substantial. And uh, we are already of past the 60-minute mark, just working for scale now. We're past the 60-minute mark, we can fuck off. We showed up to work, we can clock out. Did our inter- did our inventory review at the office? <laughs> we showed up and looked pretty. That is our job. Yes. Yes. All right. Uh, okay, guys. Any plugs? Um, Just listen to Forbidden Technique podcast on the same thing you're listening to this on. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's it. Also, listen to our interview. Um, we, we've actually like we're more. I, I see, I'd say the commentary is actually more entertaining than this podcast because we were actually like 
It was kind of sort of in top shape for that one because we were all stoned and sleep deprived. And that makes for good entertainment, I'd say. And there was something to commentate on rather than having to remember something from two days ago. Yeah. Well, something that you were watching while you were actually like half conscious. Uh, it, it feels like you're living a nightmare. Our existence is a nightmare. Yeah, just watching okay. Sean Strickland have no sense of like having a stance and just walking around like he walks around normally while he fights. And still like, winning. Yeah, yeah, winning very easily. <laughs> uh, there was actually a couple instances where the uh, the camera glitched and it went like, and that was weird. That usually doesn't happen with digital cameras, and that was that. That's just I'm gonna write it down as evidence for our existence being a simulation run by a crazy person and just wants to see people suffer. I guess that was the outro.